It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Better Faster Podcast. This one is really special to me because it is a recap of a recent trip I just took to the CrossFit Games. I was lucky enough to be there with one of my athletes and to watch him compete against the best in the world. It was an incredible experience. And today, Brian and I are going to talk about it, talk a little bit about, you know, how does it all work? You know, what the CrossFit Games really entails, what the athletes are going through, what the coaches are, are able to do, and how that all works. We talk a little bit about, um, you know, the ups and downs of the week because there, you know, no one runs a perfect race over five day competition. So um, there were definitely plenty of ups and downs. We talked about, you know, what those were and how we handled them. And then really we talked about where do we go from here? What, or what's next? What does the off season look like for a CrossFit games athlete? So a lot of cool information in here. If you're into the sport of CrossFit, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. If you haven't already, please uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We are also now on Spotify as well. So check us out there uh, and also be on the lookout for some information regarding our next body tempering clinic. It's, it's November 3rd right here in Columbia. If you want more information, send me a message or just follow the man himself, Donnie Thompson uh, on social media and you can get all your information there. I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, thank you for tuning in. Happy Monday, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. So we're one week removed from the 2018 CrossFit Games that were held in Madison, Wisconsin. And Josh, you were there all week long coaching your athlete, Ethan Helbig. And if you're a fan of the sport, Ethan is becoming a household name by now because he was one of the youngest in the field this year, and he got a lot of airtime at the competition. I'm really excited for this one because Josh and I really haven't had a chance to, to catch up since the games concluded last week. And I don't want to bury my lead now, but Josh, has it sunk in yet that you just coached one of the baddest men on the planet at the pinnacle of one of the toughest sports in the world? Yeah, man, it was a, a crazy experience. Um, I think that I've been trying to find words to describe it, and they've eluded me oftentimes, but I think surreal really does kind of fit the bill when I'm trying to describe the whole experience because it really it really is amazing to think about. You know, this is something that, you know, when I first got into the sport, you know, six years ago, you know, it, it's everybody's dream from mainly from an athlete perspective when I first started, but um, especially when you get into coaching and then you have somebody that really has the potential and to see them put in the work to do to actually get there, somehow qualify amongst a, an incredible group of people is one of the hardest regions to qualify out of. And then when you get there, everybody was so great because I think all the athletes and coaches realized how hard it is to get there. That was just such a great experience with some amazing people. 
I can imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was your, your first trip ever, right? Not just as a coach, but even as a spectator. Yeah, first time ever going out there, man. I'd always wanted to go when it was uh, in California. Um, never was able to make it work um, timing-wise or whatever it might be. Um, so I've, I've been wanting to go, and it, it definitely was nice having this first time being for uh, a cause like being a coach. Awesome, man. Well, we'll paint the picture for us here because, you know, you know, y'all did a good job keeping us updated on social media and it looked like between all the gear, the ceremonies and the cameras, I mean, it's a first class event. So, you know, what was it like being on the other side? Because you're actually in the back with the athletes and the rest of the coaches, correct? Yeah, man, it's, uh, it is a true spectacle. They, um, it's top notch. CrossFit does a great job of, of taking care of everybody, man. Uh, it's incredible how much goes into it um, from, you know, the amount of staff, amount of equipment, amount of volunteers, amount of judges, uh, you know, it is a huge event. And I think I didn't, you know, I knew it was big, but it was amazing to see it actually in action and to see how seamless everything ran. And you're right, you know, we're in the back with them. The way it kind of worked is all the individual males and their coaches spent a ton of time together. All the individual females and those coaches spent a ton of time together. All the teams and their coaches were kind of together. They kind of had you um, kind of in groups. So like sometimes all the individuals, male and female, they would do their brief things together but then you were kind of in your group after that so um fortunate to really get to spend a lot of time with some some of the highest you know the the, the high level male athletes in the field and their coaches um get to talk shop a little bit with some of those coaches get to see how the athletes handled themselves you know see how they warmed up how they went about it you know listening to their strategies um and everybody's so open and willing to help everyone else so it was great, you know, you know, talking with some, you know, some of the top level guys and seeing, okay, how are they going to approach this event or afterwards hearing their recap of it um, in addition to what I saw and what Ethan had to say. So it was like a, it was, it was really kind of cool on how everybody was so open and so willing to help. Uh, Cause I think everybody realizes, you know, you don't play defense in this sport. You know, it's, you're, you're working on yourself trying to have your best experience. And so after the fact, you know, shooting shit with the guys and talking about it, it's uh it's awesome, man. It was great. So who were who are the some of the people back there you got to rub elbows with? Oh man, from a coach name drop for us. <laughs> well, um, I think everybody knows the competitors, of course, and I have to say, man, the most fun people to hang out were all the Australian competitors. Man, they are hilarious and they rip on each other so much, and it is it was awesome. So I had totally shout out all of those guys, uh, um, Royce Dunn, Com Porter, Newberry, all those guys, uh, Dean Linderlayton. They're like they were really funny. And they, you know, great, just great people to hang out with. Um, and, uh, of course, they have no idea who the hell I am. They, but they really were, you know, they were really great to, to all the other athletes and all the coaches. They were just the, the life of it in the warm-up area a lot of times. Um, but from a coaching standpoint, all the big names are back there, of course. So, you know, Ber you know Bergeron's back there, um, Max Elhaj, Mike Lee. You know, you get, like, um, you know, the guys from Raw Strength Conditioning, you know, all these, um, you know, the misfit guys. So there there's some people that you kind of see on social media that are kind of the forefront of the sport are all back there too and everybody's great man um you know yeah you're you're, you're getting to chat a little bit and, and exchange pleasantries and introduce yourself and chat and some and and um find out a little bit about what their you know training you know methodology is i mean it's not like an open think tank there you know we're not just sitting there always talking about training a lot of times we're just you know talking about you know what we see what's going on or the events coming up or you know oh wow that was a uh, wasn't expecting that um but it was, it was pretty cool, man. I, I have to say, you know, even being in that group felt a little odd. You know, we'd be walking somewhere and everybody would swarm Bergeron while we're walking. And like the rest of us are just kind of walking like, well, yep. Uh, you know, we're not on that level of, uh, of people knowing who we are. So uh, that was interesting. Or the funniest part is that um, 
a lot of times Ethan was in the same heat as Josh Bridges based on where they were placed. And Bridges was really cool as well. Really great to all the younger guys. Funny. Um, you know, I can see why everybody wants to root for him. Um, you know, he's a great dude. And then, but you know, afterwards you're walking back, you usually walk back in your heats and he gets swarmed by fans, man. And it would always hold up <laughs> us getting back. So eventually they just got a whole nother set of security personnel. And the rest of the weekend he had his own because like, otherwise it would take us oh, like wow. an hour to get back to the warm up area. Um, you know, cause you know, we weren't getting stopped and some of the athletes aren't as well known, aren't getting stopped all the time. People want to just high five. But, Bridges is signing every shirt and taking a picture with every person next, uh, as we walk by. Um, so it was, it was a really cool experience, man. So Bridges gets his own uh, security detail. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That, well, athlete, they call it athlete, uh, athlete personnel, or I can't remember what they called it. Like, <laughs> at, like basically liaisons, people to, you know, that have walkie talkies, basically like just making sure that everything's going okay. <laughs> We, I mean, you said, you said you feel like you almost don't belong. So it's almost like you get a little bit of imposter syndrome, but I yeah. mean, you're there, you know, yeah. y- y- y'all earned it. Yeah, it's true, and man. And that's, gotta, it's hard. <laughs> that happens, man. I'm not going to lie. Imposter syndrome is real. And you know, you start wondering in your head, you're like, geez, like these are the people that, you know, I've looked to for advice. I mean, I call, I had, a, I was lucky enough to have a, a couple of consultation calls with some of the best coach, you know, names in the coaching mm-hmm. world um, prior to the games, because I wanted to run by them. I wanted to ask them, you know, I, you know, paid to have some of their time so I could ask them their thoughts on what I wanted to have Ethan do leading into it. Just because like, you know, yeah, I thought I had a great plan in place, but realistically it's my first time doing it. And, you know, going through that, I didn't want him to not perform well because I wasn't prepared. So um, it was cool to see like, you know, yeah, we're on this level. Um, you know, right. Like you said, we earned it. He really earned it, you know, in spite of me sometimes as I always joke, I was like, he earned it in spite of me. <laughs> um, but uh, it was, it was pretty surreal. I think that still comes back to that same word. So they, after a whole week, weekend of, you know, rubbing elbows with these coaches and networking and talking about training methodologies and, and all those types of things, did you feel that there were a lot of things that were different or maybe not so different with the way that you coach and the way that you train your athletes? Man, what I kind of realized is eventually everybody kind of arrives at similar conclusions. How how they got there is very different. You know, they may, you know, people are coming from, you know, either the athlete or the coach is coming from maybe a traditional strength conditioning background, or maybe they're coming from a really hardcore old school CrossFit background. But ultimately, everybody starts to come back to the same, they get, end up narrowing down to the same principles. And that's, I always remember Donnie telling me about that, about getting strong. He goes, I've tried all this, all this, all this. And eventually everything led to what I do today. And it's kind of like a, a culmination of all those different things. So I think that was interesting to see that, you know, everybody treats it like a sport. You know, they're not out this week doing classic CrossFit workouts. You know, they're not doing those most of the year, to tell you the truth. Surprise, you know, people want to believe that, you know, Fraser and, and everybody and Froning and all the big names are doing crazy CrossFit workouts, like, you know, going hard all the time every day. And they're just not. And if people don't realize that yet, well, uh, you know, that's one reason they're just not going to, you know, not going to be able to improve or see the improvement that they want. So it was, it was good to see that, you know, people are approaching the sport similarly, similarly to the way that we approach it. Um, they have mm-hmm. different seasons, different phases of training. They prioritize, they go through testing periods. They use that data to create their priorities for training. Um, they, fo- you know, most of their focus is how they recover from different things because they understand the effect of intensity and stress on the body and that we're constantly trying to make sure that we can recover from it so we can have those adaptations. And 
it was just really great to see that, you know, what we do is, you know, what other people are doing as well. And yeah, I wrote, uh, you know, the way that I got to that point may have been different than the way other people have gotten to that point, but we've all kind of gotten to that same, uh, you know, to that same idea around training. Um, you know, most of these people are, you know, they're having individualized programs. Um, you know, mm -hmm. as much as, you know, maybe CrossFit HQ wants you to think that they just do CrossFit. Um, that's not what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe they're, you know, if they are affiliated with a big name, like, organization that has a group program maybe they're doing part of that and they're but they're most of their stuff is is individualized um it has to be at this at this level because you're chasing that that one percent that half percent of performance that's the difference between qualifying for the games and finishing 15th at regionals and or you know you know for some you know athletes it's the difference between qualifying for regionals and finishing 100th in the region it's you know you're you're chasing such a small bit of performance a small percentage of performance performance that you have to have everything dialed in you have to have everything individualized the, the level of how, like how meticulous these athletes are is incredible. It, you know, knowing exactly what goes in their body, being on an exact schedule, um, being willing to totally forego social occasions to make sure they're getting enough sleep. Like it is, uh, you know, the, the amount of recovery that goes into it. Every one of these athletes was utilizing recovery services, whether they brought their own or they were using the ones that were provided. They've all got different things like, you know, using muscle stem units or, you know, Theragun or anything like that. They're getting massages, they're getting cupped, they're getting tool work, and they all invest in that. And it, it's it was incredible to see the level of dedication, but also it was great to get that kind of reinforcement that what we're doing is what we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. So w would you say the phrase everything in moderation doesn't apply to these athletes? <laughs> yeah, not, not exactly. Um, yeah. So they, <laughs> I've always had a problem with that phrase, man. Cause I, I feel like if yeah. something's worth doing, you go all in, you do it at the extreme, but you don't do it at all. Yeah. If you want to win. Right now there are, there are athletes that do have other responsibilities other than just training. And those are honestly some of the most impressive, you know, I got to hang, hang out with John Colty a lot during this uh, time, his coach and, uh, and I uh, got to hang out a ton and then Colty and Ethan got to hang out a lot. And then we all like would ride to the venue together, come back together. We ate breakfast or lunch or dinner together. And, um, you know, he's a full-time engineer, he works 40 hour week job. Um, if not more, oh, wow. and he's at, he's at the CrossFit games and the amount of, you know, he has to, you know, you think like, oh man, like how does he make that work? It's because he is so dialed in, you know? Yeah. You know, he's, his, everything he does is calculated. And I think that maybe that has to do with the engineering mind that he has, but also you know, it a. has to be, yeah, but it, it has to be at that level, even more so when you don't have any room for error. And when you have 40 to 50 hours of your week already spoken for, you have to be so dialed in. And I think people kind of say they want to be competitive, but they don't know what it's like to actually be competitive. Um, myself included, man, you know, like, mm -hmm. and when I first started this sport, I expected I was going to make regionals one day and I didn't necessarily make all the lifestyle changes. I still went out with friends on the weekend and all that. And, you know, looking back on it, it's like, you know, I didn't put in what I needed to do. Um, mm -hmm. And seeing it firsthand, you know, this, it, it's amazing what these, these people can do. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's, it, you know, I've just talked with you over the years. I know how hard these people have to work to get there and it's kind of hard to put it in words, but you know, I think for a, a lot of people who are listening to this episode that might not be familiar with CrossFit and they might assume that, you know, maybe you just have to be strong or have cardio and yeah, of course, you know, fitness is a huge part of it. I mean, you're, you get awarded the fittest man or the fittest woman on earth, mm -hmm. but you got to be good at everything else, including strategy. So there's some talent involved as well too, right? Talent and genetics, mm -hmm. things like that, right? I mean, this is cream of the crop. Oh yeah. There, there's so much that goes into it. Not, and from a strategy standpoint, the, uh, the most important part of that is being able to 
understand your own body and what's going on. So knowing exactly how hard you can push in something and knowing exactly when to pull back, exactly when to push forward, exactly when to pick up the bar next to make sure you don't fail a rep. And that comes from that intense, really deep practice. You know, it's not just going through the motions or getting in the gym and, and working hard. It's being so dialed in and paying attention and analyzing your own performances year round and, and learning how to pace and learning your own body and how it works to be able to do that. Because if you aren't maximizing your potential in these events, you're not going to perform well. And that was the case with Ethan on a couple of events. Um, you know, he's young, he's 22. He's new, still new to the sport. He's, only been, he's been doing it under four years, um, you know, which is relatively small in this sport. And, you know, there were a couple of times where, you know, he let either the moment or um, maybe some inexperience or the fact that he was in first at one point and got to see his name. He got a ton of pub um, mm-hmm. kind of get the best of him when it came to pacing or jumps on different things or when to pick up the bar. And, you know, that just comes with time and experience and it really comes down to, practice and making sure that you mm-hmm. get that practice in the off season. So when it comes to game day, you're playing the same way that you practiced. Yeah. You got to love that marathon road, man. Your boy, Ethan, oh, being in first place, like the whole first, that was like an hour and a half of camera time there. Man. Can't that. <laughs> yep. He went a little, uh, let's just say a little faster than we uh, had talked about. Um, but you know, he did, it was phenomenal. I think he did get caught up a little bit in the moment. I think he was too, you know, we talked a little bit about like, okay, this is the pace we want you to hold based on, you know, we, cause I do a lot of testing with my athletes and I make sure that I know, you know, they, you know, I, I have a 60 minute row is a big test that I use with a lot of different of my athletes because it gives me a really good idea of their true aerobic capacity, but it also gives me an idea of where they can stand mentally with repetitive, boring, painful tasks, which is a big part of the sport. You know, it's not just truly the most fit, but who can, you know, who can bring themselves to sit on a rower for three hours? Um, you know, that's yeah. a big part of it. And watching him, you know, he went out a little bit faster than we had talked about. Um, I think he really, you know, he liked seeing his name up at the top and I don't blame him. You know, he's getting his <laughs> name called literally every two minutes in the thing and he was doing great and I'm yelling down to him to maybe pull back a little bit, but, and he did pull back a little bit, but maybe not far enough. And uh, ultimately, you know, he wasn't able to hold the pace completely. So he fell back and still had a top 10 finish and beat Fraser on a workout on day one. So that was a huge momentum and really showed him he belonged when you're, you're taking down the, the three times champ now in a workout in any workout um you know that's that's a huge accomplishment so um for him that was a big big sign that i'm I'm meant to be here um but in hindsight now now we know man he's got to be a little bit more cognizant of what his pace is a little bit you know he's got to be aware of where everyone else is but he can't let it drive his own performance too much um so you know again everything this whole time was a learning experience to help us be better for next year Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like you said, though, it's always a good week when you meet Matt Fraser and work out for sure. Yeah, I think he did it twice and, or I think is what it was. And, you know, that's incredible, you know, for, you know, and arguably there could have been other times if he had paced it well, um, you know, there were a couple things that, you know, didn't necessarily go our way. And, and to tell you the truth, like Matt Fraser is absolutely incredible. And if you watch the guy, he is so diligent and so locked in and so aware of what everyone else is doing and knows exactly how hard he can push. And to tell you the truth, man, like the whole thing, like people think Fraser goes hard all the time and that's what makes him so good no what you're watching on tv that's his 85 percent he's just so much fitter than everyone else his 85 percent is fast enough and that's kind of one of those things it's like he's going at what he can sustain 
And it's, he's just put in so much work to be able to make that level that he can sustain what everyone else is trying to max out at. So um, it, it's incredible getting to watch him up close and personal. He's a little guy, you know, relatively speaking, you know, Ethan probably has 35 pounds on him. Um, but, uh, and probably six, you know, not six inches, but probably like four inches, you know, four or five inches to tell you the truth. Um, and, but it is amazing what that guy can do and what he's capable of. Oh yeah. That, that last workout, man, it was just like a victory lap for him. He was, mm-hmm. he was taking breaks and throwing his hands up at the crowd. I mean, it was, it was crazy, <laughs> man. What, what, what do you think it's going to take to actually take him down? Because I mean, he obviously he's going to be gunning hard for the next few years to eclipse yeah. Froning. Yeah. Is, is Father Time the only thing that's going to beat him, or uh, you think someone can do it? Well, Father Time is undefeated, um, so that is uh, someone that eventually does get you. Um, now, when that is for everybody, I don't know. Um, after watching that man, like, it's it's going to take him making a mistake, you know, or you know, God forbid, an injury. Um, he is that talented, and it's yeah, there may be something, you know it's one of those things that the tests are truly balanced. It's going to be very hard to take them down. But if there's, you know, some tests that skew things in other people's favor, um, you know, that are very specific weaknesses of his, which again, there aren't many, if any, um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. Like I thought this year, somebody might close the gap, but to tell you the truth, no one really closed the gap. Um, Vellner had a great weekend and he's funny too, man. He talks a lot of shit. Um, and it's hilarious. Um, but he, uh, he, he'd had a great weekend. He had one bad finish that very first event. I think he was like 35th, but even if he takes, you know, first in that event, he's still not that close, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's right. closer and it's, it would have been a lot closer than the year before, but it, it, Fraser is, he's pretty dominant. Um, it, and it's very impressive to watch and it is a tribute to how he goes about things. He's very much, he keeps to himself a little bit in the warm up area. You know, he's not going out and, you know, he's not too chatty. He's friendly. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like, you know, he's not going to be the life of the, of that area or, or anything. He's with his people. He's very focused, very meticulous. And you can tell he's probably like that all the time, all year round. And that's why he's so great. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the, the pool of athletes is growing too. I mean, mm-hmm. just look at Ethan, for example, he's only 22 years old. That means he's nowhere close to his prime. Right. Yeah. That's what I, I like mean, to I, think. I hope. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just as, as an outsider, I like to pretend like I'm an insider, but I'm not, but you know, I'm just so impressed by the way that young man's able to compose himself, especially on that last day and come back and win his heat. I mean, mm-hmm. like he got a nice pot from the crowd. Can yeah. you talk about, about that moment? Cause that's gotta be a real nice mental boost going into the off season. That was great, man. I got to give a shout out to Nick Uranker before that. Um, one of the athletes there, he's one of the older athletes there. I think he's more like 34, which is in the grand scheme of like the, of CrossFit games, you know, masters is at 35. And I think he's the only one that's even close to, or at least on the male side, there are some female side that's a little bit older. I think Becca Voigt might've been the oldest. I think she's 37, but um, the male side, he's the closest to the masters level competitor. And this is maybe his fourth games. And, and he had a really great quote, a uh, really great, you know, chat with Ethan and myself. And I think it was, uh, I'm, and Colty might've been right there too. We were in the warm area for the, before the last event. And um, Ethan was talking about something about the event prior and saying like, yeah, I, next year I want to do, you know, he was basically explaining like, I'd really like to hit this because, you know, we've had a great, we've had great conversations since the games about what you know, every event in detail, what we thought was great, what we think we need to improve, how that affects training going forward. And we were already, you know, he was already starting that conversation with me and Nick kind of just stopped him. And he straight up, you know, pardon my French, but he he just said F next year. Like, you know, you can worry about next year in three months. And he's, you know, he, he said, there's no guarantee you ever get back here. It's one of the hardest things to do in, in any kind of fitness uh, endeavor. So it took him four years between his first and his second time going to the games. And um, he, he 
he told E, he said, go out there, have the time of your life in this last event and don't come off the floor until you get like physically removed from the floor by the staff. So you enjoy it. And then I kind of, and then when Nick, he came off, you know, he went out there and crushed it. He did great. We had him plan for the pegboard because again, he's 225 pounds. The pegboard is not exactly easy for a man of that size. <laughs> Um, relative to, you know, in his heat, he's got Josh Bridges, who's about 165 pounds. Um, so he ran his race on the pegboard. He crushed the, he went like 30 and 10 on the thrusters to get done with those quick. And then he caught everybody on the yoke. Um, he crushed the yoke walk, finishes it, crosses the, the line first. It was, it was only like a 20th place finish overall, but it was first in his heat. And that was his first ever heat win at the CrossFit Games. And the crowd, of course, went nuts. Um, and he, you know, he had a huge celebration, you know, big scream. And it it was such a great event, uh, Mm -hmm. such a great event for him and a great finish. And, you know, every, you know, he's getting to high five everybody and he, he lived it up. Like he listened to Nick, he didn't come (laughs) off right away. Um, stayed out there and when he came back he was so excited and then we're walking back and I was like, all right, buddy, we're going to walk up to a bunch of fans right here. I said, sign anything that anyone asks you to take any picture you want and enjoy it. Don't look at it as a burden because again, you know, you don't know how long somebody's going to want your picture. Um, right. so, and he did, he, you know, he lived it up. He had a great time. And I think that was huge going into the off season. Outstanding, man. That painted a yeah. really good picture there. Yeah. Well, that's like um, the last, uh, that was the last heat probably of Josh Bridges career. I don't know if he's going to try to keep coming back. He's, uh, you know, on the older end too. And he had a huge, you know, a knee injury that bothered him all weekend, you know, he's yeah. struggling the whole time. So to get to be out there when all the fans are going nuts for him and get to walk off with a guy like that, a legend in the sport, you know, finishing mm-hmm. second one year been there like six times. So it, it was a great finish to a great week, um, a very long and emotionally taxing week um, yeah. for him. And for me, I'm not going to lie. It was emotionally. taxing. <laughs> um, and I, I'm just so excited for him and so happy for him. And I can't wait to see what, you know, this year holds with that fire now being lit. Well, speaking of, um, you know, we're now officially in the off season, right? Yeah. So what, what does the off season look like for an athlete, for a CrossFit Games athlete? I mean, are we looking at periodized programming or mm-hmm. is it just time to focus on weaknesses, a little bit of both? I mean, you know, you mentioned that this was a learning experience. I mean, what would you say are the top one or two things that you learned as a coach and maybe as your athlete learned as an athlete? Man, that's a great question. Well, the first thing is rest. Um, I think people you know, maybe don't realize the toll that this whole week and the training that led up to this week really takes on these athletes because like, you know, it's 14 events over five days, um, which is a ton of work. And then not only is it just 14 events, but it's 14 of them basically going maximal effort and leaving everything they can on the floor because really you can't afford a bad finish. Um, you know, you might be able to afford one or one bad finish and still be able to be close to the podium. But if you're, you know, all these guys are trying to finish on the podium, you have to have a great finish you know, and no bad finishes. So they're all going so hard for five straight days and leading in, they put in so much volume because you have to prepare for all of this volume. You can't go in training one time a day, five days a week and expect to be able to have juice left on that fourth and fifth day. So there it's, it's been a grind just getting here and getting through it. So the first thing is rest, you know, he really didn't do anything this week. Um, yeah, I don't even, I don't think he did any kind of recovery. I told him if he really wanted to, you know, hop on a bike for a little bit, he could, but it was really more just like, enjoy time off. You know, this has been such a focus. He had to quit one of his part-time jobs to be able to train a little bit more. You know, he um, was lucky enough to find a sponsor that could subsidize a little bit of that. Um, basically not really paying him, but paying for like, um, you know, part of his hotel room or like, like basically like something like that to be able to help him a little bit. So that way he mm-hmm. could quit one of those jobs, to be able to train more. He stopped coaching as much in the gym. Um, so like he wasn't able to, 
you know, make nearly as much money because he's not coaching as much as brothers coaching for him. So that way he could train more. I mean, like there's so many sacrifices that go into it. So like Mm -hmm. the first part is just rest, enjoy time off, reflect on the experience. Um, You know, you got to be, you know, you get to be at the CrossFit games. It's something people only dream about. So that's been the big, the biggest part. Now, when we, as we go into it, there's a, a lot of things we identified, you know, that are things that we need to continue to work on. And they've been things we've been progressing on. So for him, he, you know, when I first met him, he was, you know, even bigger than he was now, maybe 230 pounds, 232, 33, and not, not necessarily, you know, the composition of 233 that you would want for this sport. It's already bigger. So if you're going to be that big, you got to be pretty lean. Um, so a bit, you know, when we first met, he could squat 450, you know, so we did not, and that's already, that's strong enough to go to the CrossFit Games. So we pulled back and we haven't done like a true, I guess, quote unquote, strength cycle in two years. We haven't had to. Um, and he still can, you know, can pull 440 out when he needs to on a back squat. Um, wow. You know, it's like the guy, you know, he was able to maintain because we did enough to maintain, but he's already been one of the stronger guys in the sport. So there was no real reason to when he was, you know, struggling to string, you know, you know, even moderate size of, uh, you know, handstand push-up sets together or muscle-up sets. So the big focus the last couple of years is been building volume um, in his gymnastics uh, movements. So handstand push-ups, all different variations, muscle-ups, all different variations, ring dips. Those have been huge focuses, and they've come such a long way, but they still have a long way to go relative to the sport because he is one of the bigger athletes. So there's going to be a big focus on building up volume first and then, um, you know, again, working into more like density sets on, you know, muscle-ups, ring dips, um, different variations of handstand push-ups. We've come a long way on like strict and kipping handstand push-ups without deficits but working more into some further deficits and really deep deficits because at the games, you know, they're testing, you know, 10 to 12 inch deficit handstand pushups with on this parallel. So it's pretty significant. Um, we're going to, so we're really going to focus on that. We are going to go through a little bit of strength work because now, you know, I, I, again, there's no guarantee he makes it back to the games. It's a very hard road, but it is mm-hmm. something that we do probably need to get him a little bit stronger um, because, you know, he didn't have a great total, but that was, arguably because of um, some mistakes on, on what he opened with and what he jumped. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly what we talked about and it was more, he was really concerned about making sure he made his first lift. So he opened really low, which made him make big jumps. I mean, he's making 20 pound jumps on his, on strict press, which is tough to do when, so the total wasn't a true representation of what he's capable of. So, but still, even if he had hit it, it would have been maybe like 20th, which is like middle of the pack there. So mm-hmm. for him, we do want to get him a little bit stronger um, in more of like conventional strength. He's already there from a, from a snatch and clean and jerk perspective. You know, he's, you know, 285, 365 guy in the snatch and clean and jerk. So maybe we'll focus a little bit on the snatch, maybe get, try to get closer to three, but um, you know, clean and jerk is already where it needs to be. So we'll focus more on some actual traditional strength work that the gymnastics volume. Um, and that, that's going to be where we start. Um, all the other conditioning work, the energy system work will be primarily aerobic in nature, supporting those adaptations that we're trying to create elsewhere. Um, Again, I don't want to put him through some really hard conditioning if I'm trying to get him a little bit stronger right now. It doesn't, it, you know, they eat at the same resources. And I think people forget that. Right. Um, so everything's going to be really supportive of those two goals to start. Um, he showed he was already one of the most aerobic in the field based on that marathon row. I, I can't think of a, a, a real a better test for an aerobic piece there than they've done the games. I mean, it's, you know, truly a, an aerobic capacity test, and he did quite well. Mm-hmm. I think if he paces that a little bit better, he's probably fifth in that, you know, he's yeah. tenth without pacing it well. So, And, um, and just yeah. clarify, you, you guys didn't know that was coming. No, right. no. You find out the day before you're rowing a marathon yeah. tomorrow. That changes the game a little bit. Um, and the longest we had rowed, I think, was an hour. We'd done that a couple times. And he almost PR'd his hour row 
the first <laughs> hour and the second hour um, because wow. he, he was. How does that work? Yeah, he was holding a pace that was almost what he wrote his hour in during testing, and he held it for two hours. So that tells me like he, you know, one, the moment probably helped a little bit. And it tells me he probably was going at a pace that was a little bit unsustainable for the whole marathon. But it also tells me like the dude is really aerobic. He is very, very aerobically developed. And that's great because that's the, you know, the base of that pyramid when it comes to where like we're building up some of that energy system work. So um, we're not necessarily focused on a ton further aerobic development as much as it is doing some of those easier aerobic pieces to help support all the work we're doing elsewhere. Um, there are some comps on the schedule. Um, you know, he'd like to do Wadapalooza again. Um, Wadapalooza is a great comp. It's so much fun. Um, probably team, but games athletes do sometimes get in, you know, usually get invites. So he'll have some options there. Um, normally we would do the independence games. Um, Justin Graham's comp out in uh, Florence, um, South Carolina. It's a great competition as well. Um, that one's tough just because of the timing. And I know, you know, Ethan's reached out to some other games guys that, that, you know, about maybe being on teams with him. And, um, you know, a lot of the games guys are not going to do it because it's still, you know, it's a, you know, a month and a half after the games, you know, two months after the games. And that's, that's tough to do another competition. So he may do the team comp there if he can get a really high level partner to do it with him. Cause it is, there's a lot of prize money. So for somebody who's not a, you know, paid athlete full time, it's nice to win a little money. Um, so, uh, he might do that one, but I think the main one we'll probably do is Wadapalooza. Um, it, when you get up to that level, it's so hard and the season's so long from February to August that there's not a lot of competing in the off season anymore. Um, you have to really pick and choose your battles. Wow. So, so the, the details involve preparation for the off season. I mean, are you, are you legit out there taking notes during these events? Are you sitting there with your laptop? Cause I mean, <laughs> I have my laptop out a lot. Um, honestly, a lot of the time in between events was me sitting there and programming for other athletes too. Cause you know, it's like Ethan, I love Ethan. He's great. And he's a big part of our, our company, but we have a lot of other great athletes too. And um, sure. you know, that are in the midst of their off season and their, you know, their training is also very, very important to me. So um, a lot of it was prepping, um, you know, other athletes, I had a couple athletes actually compete this, uh, today, shout out to, to John and George, um, and Jagger who all three took on, uh, they're all related. They took on a competition in New York today. They did a great job. A couple of them finished one and two on the podium. So got to give those guys a shout. I know they listen, so I got to give them a shout out. Um, uh, so, you know, I have, yeah, a lot of times I'm out there, I'm, t- you know, I'm back in the warm up area after we get back, I'm jotting down some notes. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, I didn't go over it with him. You know, the whole week it was, uh, I would let him tell me his thoughts cause he really likes to, you know, brain dump right after the workout and tell me exactly what he was feeling, exactly what this, um, and I think that's great. I would refrain from sharing too many of my thoughts, especially if my thoughts were about like things that maybe could have been done better. Um, so honestly, it was like, I would listen to what he was saying. I'd be like, all right, yeah, no, I think, I, you know, you're exactly right. I would reinforce what he's thinking. And then I would immediately turn the conversation to the next event. Um, and we would start working on towards the next one. Um, cause it's 14 events. You can't sit there and think about one for, for six hours. Cause you got another one coming up. Um, so right. we, we, I wrote down a lot of notes so that way we could go over it afterwards. So we actually had a talk, uh, talk earlier today was our, was our big chat, um, about, you know, really every single event we went through each one, um, talked about what he was thinking, talked about what I was thinking, how it affects training going forward. Um, what we would do, have done differently then what we hope to be able to do differently because of whatever training that we're going to implement. Um, so it's great. He's so receptive. Um, and that's the biggest thing, man, is having trust in what you're doing. He has trust in me. I have trust in him. He has trust in the process and the program. And to tell you the truth, the best program is one that the athlete believes in. I'm not going you know, to sit here and say I write the best training program because there are other coaches that probably write better training programs. But if you have that relationship with an athlete and they truly believe in what you're doing and, and you can have that open and honest talk and, and 
you know, that, that feedback, man, that's, that's the best program for that athlete is one that they believe in. Absolutely. You know, I'm also glad that you touched on the finances as well, too, because I did not realize that there was really no money in the sport. No, you know, man, athletes. Yeah, the top <laughs> Frazier makes a little money and those top guys and, you know, uh, you know, they make a little bit of money with some sponsors. I know like the probably there's probably, you know, maybe of the 40, I bet you probably 10 of them probably don't necessarily have to do other work if they want and could train all the time. I, yeah, I'm just throwing that number out there. I have no True. idea anybody else's financial situation. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. going to pretend to, but that, uh, I know a lot of the guys, that's not the case. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Ethan Cohen's a gym with his brother and, and coaches and personal trains all day and works part-time job, uh, construction with his dad to make ends meet. And then his, uh, you know, I know Colty's a full-time engineer, um, you know, I know, you know, Fikowski finished fourth and last year finished on the podium. You know, this is his first year not working a full-time job. Um, so and a lot of other people own gyms or their coaches or whatever it might be. So um, the finances can be tough. Uh, you know, you're taking eight days off. I was there for eight days um, and we're staying in a very nice hotel. That was a couple hundred dollars a night. It adds up, man. Um, yeah. That's to go there and rarely win money. You know, the top people yeah. win some money. So it's tough. The finances are not in their favor. <clears throat> Yeah, and I, and I guess that's another reason why the community aspect of CrossFit is so important because you probably got to be able to lean on your uh, your local box and your community to get some financial support for sure when you get to yeah. that level. His family was huge in the help. His brother took over a lot of classes. Um, they help out around the gym. They help him get there. Um, they help him with resources. You know, he didn't have a ski erg for a long time, and I was like, buddy, we got to get a ski erg. It's been in the game for multiple <laughs> years. It's probably going to eventually be in re- like I was like either that or we got to find a gym where you can go and get a ski erg. So he was able to get some mm-hmm. help with that. Um, yeah, shout out to, to Steve Keys, who's always been a big mentor for me and helped me in a lot of things. He's also been a big help with Ethan, too. Um, you know, if Ethan really needs something. Steve's always been there to help, um, you know, just because, you know, it, it's it's easy to want to help a kid who really works hard and, and deserves it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it, oh, yeah. it, it's a lot easier to be willing to help somebody when they put forth that effort and they're, you know, so appreciative of anything that you do for them. So um, it's been a pleasure from our side. And so shout out to Steve for helping out, but it takes a true, it takes a team, a village, man. You see every one of those athletes, they have their whole crew. They have, it's not just them, it's them and their significant other and their family and their coach and their gym and their training partners and everyone else, uh, you know, around because it does take a a village to be able to make this happen for somebody. And speaking of that crew, I also saw Ethan had a a body worker, right? Yeah. A chiropractor. Let's let's get that man. Who was that? Yeah. Charlie Jakes. Charlie's a man. Um, I like Charlie a lot. And, and, you know, there's Charlie, you know, without getting into specifics of like different professions, same with that. Charlie is a bright guy and he takes, um, he knows what he's doing. Um, I don't care Mm -hmm. if you're a, uh, you could be a PT, a chiro, massage therapist. It doesn't really matter to me if you, if you go through and you, look at the literature, you interpret the literature, you use the best evidence, you, you, you kind of follow that evidence-based practice, you have great experience, you've worked with high-level athletes, and you, uh, you know, can help that, you know, you know what that athlete needs, what he wants, what, you know, what he uh, thinks is working. I mean, Char- Charlie knows what he's doing, and, he, and mm-hmm. he works with Ethan all the time, and I know he's in good hands up there. Um, so uh, yeah. it's great to have Charlie been, has been at regionals the last couple of years and the games, and it, it's awesome because whenever he needs any body work stuff, um, um, Charlie's able to do it and he knows him. He knows he's body better than anybody else to works on him weekly. So uh, sure. And shout out to Charlie for sure. Yeah. And just, you know, I know we have a lot of PTs and PT students listening. So, you know, for any current or future physical therapist that might be listening and might want to look into uh, accepting that role one day or, or looking or seeking out that job, how would you say Ethan's chiropractor uh, actually worked at the events and how crucial do you think it was for his performance? 
preparation. Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, Whether, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's from a mental standpoint, man. It's like, if you, you know, from, you know, he, if Ethan feels tight, sore, you know, something's aching, whatever it is, um, you know, we know the power of hands being put on you. We know that, Um, you know, that's been shown time and time again, is that you, you know, somebody putting their hands on you has an effect on your perception of what's going on. So um, just having somebody there to do anything for you. And I've done that for him um, in previous events and things like that. If Charlie's not there or not available or for some of my other athletes too, but like, it's great to have like somebody who has that relationship with him. That's there all the, all the time and is consistently working with him. And then um, to tell you the truth, this is a, it's a freaking grind. We talked about how hard is 14 events over it. So like he does need some work on there, man. Um, a lot of it is, mm-hmm. is stuff, you know, honestly, again, we're not trying to necessarily influence, uh, you know, the actual, we're not, you know, fixing anything, quote unquote, we're just, you're trying to make it feel a little better, create, you know, especially at night, um, you know, help give him a little bit more relaxation, help get him into a little bit uh, of a, a different state for his nervous system. So that way he can relax and get to sleep and, and stimulate a little bit of recovery. And um, I think that Charlie does a great job of that because he, you know, he, knows what Ethan wants and what he's saying that he needs. And he also has a good idea of kind of what things are appropriate. And he kind of mixes everything together into a nice little package that really had Ethan feeling good every day. Um, and to tell you the truth, even after the weekend, Ethan was telling me how great he feels. I think he was lying to me a little bit, um, and, <laughs> but he is 22 and he's resilient as hell. So it's I awesome. be young again. Yeah, oh, I know. Uh, yeah, but I think, it, I think it's another big thing to notice that like, it's not about the person's, you know, degree. I know I, I'm, a lot of people we like to when PT world we like to hate on chiropractors. A lot of chiropractors like to hate on PTs, and I think I think it's um, to tell you the truth. I think like the it's great to have a working relationship with with Charlie like that because I can tell Charlie exactly what my plans are for Ethan's training, and and he's on board. And and you know yeah we have different backgrounds, we have different professions, um, but you know we both follow the evidence, and we both you know a lot of times he's treating the same way I am. He's not cracking everybody that walks in his door, and he's a chiropractor. Think about that for a minute. Um, you know he, it's. He's very much, he understands what's going on. You know, he's not out there preaching the subluxation theory. So um, that, may, that right there, <laughs> let me get along with him right away. Um, but, uh, so I think it's important to note that there are good um, professionals in every, in every, one, every one of those uh, different disciplines. You just got to find them and then create relationships like that with them. No, I love that. You know, I think at this point in the game, if you can tell the physical person, a chiropractor, you have a problem. You yeah. should both be blending the two worlds really nicely. Yeah, um, it's the great, evidence man. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So Josh, one more question I had, and uh, I, I know you don't like to call your shots, but we're looking ahead to the 2019 games now. So how many Carolina performance training athletes do you anticipate going to make to make it to the games next year? And uh, you think we're going to see some top 10 finishes? Dude, you can't put me on the spot like that. Um, I am, I'm going to say uh, greater than or equal to one um, to leave a little window there. I, you know, I think if everything goes right, I really, I really do believe in Ethan. I think we learned a lot from this, and I think he's only getting started. So hopefully he's back again. And then I'd like to think that some of our other regional athletes have a great shot as well. Um, we were fortunate enough to have um, a couple other individual males. Um, I've also started working with a, an individual female that was, uh, you know, finished middle of the pack in uh, another region. Um, I've got some other people who were just right on the outside. We've got a couple people who finished in the twenties in the open, so they just missed it. Um, so we've got a, a nice little crew. Um, and I really am hoping that we can kind of start um, having a nice consistent presence at regionals first, especially. Um, and then I'm hoping somebody else will break through two of the games. It would be great to have multiple people there. If that does happen, one of my other coaches is going to have to come through too because it is literally you are there 12, 14 hours a day. And you, it's going to be very hard to coach multiple athletes and, or multiple ath- or an athlete in a team. So you got to have a nice little 
staff there if that gets to that point. So that's a, a, a nice problem to have that I hopefully we'll have in the future. There you go. Yeah. All right. And then before we sign off, so I know we're a results driven society and whether you want to or not, there's a lot of people, whether it's other coaches or PTs that are looking up to you now when you get to this stage. So as a role model, Josh, as a role model, what advice do you have for any aspiring coaches that want to emulate what you do? Oh man. Well, any, uh, any words of wisdom? <laughs> um, well, honestly, uh, find great mentors because I think you can learn a lot from books. You can learn a lot from courses and seminars, but man, the, the, I've learned the most when I go and work with great people. Um, so I, you know, like even with PT, man, getting to come, I got to spend eight weeks with you and learn and get to see how you do things. Like that is invaluable experience that yeah, I couldn't have learned that in the classroom or in a book or anything like that. So I think it's great to, you, you have to have that knowledge base from like the educational standpoint. So I would say, read everything you can go to, you know, some of these great courses that we've already referenced on previous podcasts. That's all great. But find really good mentors to, to seek out, go pay, you know, pay for their time. Like I said, I had a couple conference calls prior to, um, right after regionals with coaches who have trained athletes for the games. So that way I could make sure what I was doing was appropriate. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I think that's huge to be willing to invest in that, um, and find those people and then be okay with failing because I will tell you the truth, man, I, I have written so many programs or so many workouts where I look at and I get a result back. I'm like, yeah, that was not what I was thinking was going to happen. Um, you are not going to be perfect. And I'm, you know, I'm still not perfect. It's being okay with not being perfect and not having all the answers because the moment you think you do have all the answers and you do write the best training programs out there, you probably need to retire because um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're kind of, you're not doing anybody a service then. So um, I, that would be where I would start. Find good mentors you got to just start doing it program for somebody for free. If you have to, because you know, you don't know if you're any good at it until you do it. Um, try it, see what happens. Be okay with getting feedback from other coaches or from the athletes. That is not necessarily perfect because you're going to screw up. Um, and and it, yeah, just put in the time and invest in yourself, man. There it is. Socrates said, the only thing that makes me smarter than you is I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, no, it's so true, man. That is so true. The more I'm into this, the more I realize I have to learn, um, especially hanging around some of those smart coaches there. Um, man, they, some of them are just, they start talking and it's, it's over my head sometimes, man. I'm looking at them like, geez, I have so much I need to learn. Um, so I'm excited. I was excited to get back so I could get back to, to hitting the books a little bit. Yeah. 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 yeah man. One more week of acute care, right? One more week of Almost acute there. care. Shout out to self regional. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to be, uh, be back in class. Uh, acute care is great, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm an outpatient PT. I think I'm realizing. <laughs> Well, that's good, man. You never know. You never know. You might end up doing some weekends at the hospital one day or another. Oh, yeah, man. Life, life comes at you fast. Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, if you want to reach out, send us a DM on Instagram. That's at Better Faster Podcast. You can keep up with Josh at CPT underscore strength. And we have several big announcements coming up our clinic. So be sure to keep up with that at Vertex PT. Oh, we're also on Spotify now. So give us yeah. a follow on that platform. Yeah. Thank you and uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you all have a great week and we'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.